Hey, thanks for connecting to the City Lights Church podcast. Today's message is from our series, Cow Tipping. In this series, we're going to be tipping over the sacred traditions of church that have no place in the gospel. At City Lots, we never want to be a church that focuses on cultural norms, yet we want to seek out the gospel for our lives daily, the implications, and what that means for us. So we hope that you enjoy today's message. Boo. <laughs> I was like, hey, we're going to get some lots in here. Hey, good morning. Good morning, City Lots Church. Man, you look good this morning. You look good this morning. If I've not had an opportunity to meet you, my name is Peyton. I'm the pastor here at this crazy church, and we're so glad that you're here this morning. Also want to welcome those of you who are watching online. Before I go into this message, we're in this series called Cow Tipping. Uh, we're in part four this, uh, this week, so four weeks in. Um, I believe God's got what I believe is going to be the most helpful message yet in the series, but I want to share some exciting news with you um, that we've really been tracking and getting intentional with lately. Uh, every week we stream our service live on Facebook. Any social media junkies in here? So I'm preaching to a bunch of liars this morning. Is that what's happening? Okay. Weird. Weird. Well, you're at the right place because we'll meet you right where you are in your lies. We want to reach, uh, we really, what we have here is some what we call local initiatives, and that are some local partners that we want to help. We're planting, as you met uh, Derek McCarter, our church plant intern who did our welcome and offering here. We're helping him plant Shift Church in, in South Knoxville, and God's moving in a mighty way in their group. Uh, but we also want to reach globally, meaning we don't want to just be about this building, about this street, about this community. We want to go to the ends of the earth. And so one of the ways that we can do that now is we are taking a mission trip in July, Lord willing, we believe God's always willing, to the Dominican Republic. Uh, we'd love for you to, to, to pray about how you can partner with that or even in the future. But another thing that we do is we stream our service live every single week so that we can reach people outside of this. And, and I say this every week, and sometimes maybe you guys are like, ah, he's just saying it to make himself feel good. But literally, what we are doing is so much bigger than this room. And I couldn't be more excited to share this, that than last month in April alone, we had over 2,500 views on Facebook live stream. If you'll pull that up, please. Look at that. Look how many states we reached. And we reached three different countries, India, Honduras, and Bulgaria. Amen? Yeah. So now this validates when I say that literally what we're doing is so much bigger than this room. So our, our little big church right here is reaching across the nation. It's reaching across the sea. And you know people need Jesus in West Virginia, man. You know they do. <laughs> but it's just incredible. It's not just, I mean, you think about, honestly, let's just be real here. Think about this little city in Clinton, in East Tennessee. And because a faithful group of people gather every week, because you, and this is it too, because you generously give, because people serve, because people are taking care of babies and loving on kids and teaching them about Jesus at their own age downstairs, because we have a communications team, this church, last month alone, had 2,501 views. We had to get that one in there. <laughs> Reached 18 different states and three different countries. It's really just incredible to me. Hillary Barnes is our um, digital communications director, and we've just been talking the past week. Just what a fresh perspective to, to just thank the Father that, hey, what we are doing here is so much bigger than what you see. And so I say this, and I really want to say it humbly, but I feel really grateful, and I hope you do too, that you get to be a part of this because we are reaching people way outside these walls. And if we ever become a church that just focuses on these four walls, we need to shut our doors down. We need, we've got to be focused on, on these people that need Jesus, that we're reaching. And um, so I just couldn't be more excited to share that with you. And uh, 
um, just want to praise the Father for that, for reaching that many people. So this morning, we are back in our series, Cow Tipping, and I want to talk with you in part four, calling this The Answer is Yes. I know that you like to take notes because you're studious, you're good Christians, and you, want to, you can't remember everything, so you're going to write it down and take notes. The answer is yes, is what I would call this message. I want to ask you something. How many of you, and let's try to be honest because you lied a minute ago, and the, the Father will forgive you, and I do too. How many of you would just be honest and say, yeah, I'm a little bit of a social media junkie. I like Facebook, I like Instagram, I like Twitter, Snapchat, whatever it is, okay. It's, you can be honest here, okay? This is a safe place. Well, how many of you have seen those, those memes on Facebook where it's like, if you love Jesus, don't scroll, stop, like, and share? Something like this. Jesus, where he says, ignore me if you're ashamed of me, share, share me if you love me. Anybody ever seen something like that? I'm not trying to step on your toes, but how many of you have ever, and just be honest, how many of you have ever looked at that, you've seen that on Facebook, and you thought, man, that's just so lame. I'm not going to share it, just because it's retarded, and they ask me to. <laughs> yeah, I got, Derek Ricardo calls, I see some people doing the T-Rex arms, or like half raise, like, <laughs> does Jesus see me if I raise my arm halfway? I've seen them, we've all seen them if you've been on Facebook, that, you know, don't stop scrolling, share, love me, and like me, and retweet me, and all that. And the idea is that, that someone, and I get it, like if you've ever posted one of these, please come back next Sunday, okay? I'm not trying to, <laughs> but I, there's this really idea, and here's the thing, this is almost like subconsciously, or subliminally, if you will, we are portraying this, that like I have to do something to receive God's love. Like if I share this, if I do this work, God will bless me. And it's a lot harder because it's social media, but it's still portraying this image of like, I've got to do something. And if I don't, it's like Jesus is sitting up in heaven saying this right here. Well, time to see who all shared that one post so I know who to bless. <laughs> On his Mac. <laughs> how many of you know God does not operate like that? That's not how he works. And so there's this idea of this cow tipping series is we've been just tipping these sacred cows in the church that we feel like need to be tipped over. They have no place in the Bible. They have no place in church, and they have no place in Christianity. And the sacred cow that I want to talk to you about this morning is this idea that God helps those that help themselves. Anybody ever heard that? Anybody ever said it to a loved one, maybe outside of Christianity? Well, yeah, of course, I'll help you if you're helping yourself, if you'll get up and go to work, Right? Now, by a show of hands, or I'm going to give you permission to speak a little bit, let's start off by a show of hands, because I, I feel like some of y'all are a little rowdy and untrustworthy, so let's start off that way. How many of you, being honest, you have, that you believe this, that God helps those who help themselves? Amen. A lot of people. How many say, I don't think there's any truth to it? One person. Though none go with me, still I will follow, right? <laughs> Apparently, here's all the 99, and here's the one. I think that this is a sacred cow in the church. And let me tell you why, because there, I think there's, there's kind of two truths going on here. One, I think that God has a plan, and we have a part. We have a responsibility in his kingdom work. But I also believe this, at the deepest foundation that I'm not sure that you or I are actually capable of helping ourselves at any capacity, really. Now, 
we talked about this in our volunteer service. We do a, just a brief service for our volunteers. And I don't want to sound like crazy and a heretic right here, but I want you just to kind of go with this idea. Even if you're a Christian, if you're here this morning and you're not sure what you think about Jesus, you're definitely going to be able to relate to me if you're watching online and you don't, you're at either place, you can relate as well. How many of you would say that, that work, no matter what you do, that you, you work hard and you're, you're good at your job? Some of you need to get a new career then. <laughs> or a little bit more confidence one, I'm not sure. The, the reality is this, that in this 21st century culture that we live in, people can, if you're good at your job, that you can, how many of you believe, or no, don't raise your hand, just kind of rhetorical, that you can get up tomorrow, you don't have to pray, you can get up and go to your job and do a good work because you're good at what you do. And I'm not saying that you, you know, I'm not trying to be a heretic saying you don't need Jesus, but if you just took him out of the equation, you could get up and go do that. And the problem is, is in this century that we live in, this, this 21st century, kind of post-modern, post-Christian, is that Jesus is not relevant to us anymore. As a, as a society as a whole, it's like, we don't need Jesus. I can get up and go to work. I graduated college without him. I make good money without him. I found my wife. I found my husband. And my kids are doing pretty good. I don't really need Jesus. What's the, the relevant, the relevance when it comes to him? And the misconception is that you think you're doing this on your own. You think you're helping yourself. But what I believe, and well, there's a tad bit of truth to this, but probably not the truth you think, is that on your best day, you can't help yourself. On your best day, how many of you woke up starting the day out really great and by the end you needed some like bipolar medicine and a doctor visit? Okay. Listen, there's, I've always been told this and I could not agree more. There's two types of crazy. There's if you know you're crazy and you don't know you're crazy. If you know you're crazy, you're okay. It's when you don't know it that you're not okay. I don't think on our best day that we can help ourselves. And this is, in Psalm 51, this is the, the, day, uh, the, the writer David um, who killed Goliath. He wrote, and he actually said it like this, we are born in rebellion. He said, surely from my mother's womb, I was born in rebellion. So the moment you come into existence, you are in rebellion against God because surely I was a sinner in my mother's womb. So from your very beginning, from your first breath, you are in complete rebellion against God. The Apostle Paul, he writes to a church in Ephesus, where we get the book of Ephesians. In Ephesians 2, he tells him, he says, hey, we were dead in our sins. One of my pastors, Pastor Bobby William of the Rich Church in Oak Ridge, he says it like this. We were dead in our sins. Boom, you were done. There was no hope for you. You were dead when Christ made you alive. You did nothing. You could do nothing. You were dead. You were dead in your sins when Christ made you alive. For those of you who are following Jesus, you were dead. There was, you, could not do, you could not do anything to help yourself. So we're born in rebellion. We were dead when Christ made us alive. I want to study some scripture just for a moment. Hang on. In the New Testament, it's in Luke chapter 19. If you, if you have a Bible with you this morning, if you have your smartphone, we, have a, we use the YouVersion Bible app. We put all my notes on there, a place for you to read along with the scripture and take your own notes. And uh, we would love for you to connect with that. If you're watching online, we'll post a link to that. There's this story in the New Testament about a man named Zacchaeus. Anybody ever heard of wee little Zacchaeus? I think that what we're going to see today is we're going to answer the question to the sacred cow. Does God really help those who help themselves or, 
Or do we have, do we have the capacity at all to do that? And we're going to tip a sacred cow at the end. It's a big heifer this morning is that what we're tipping. I want you to pay very close attention to the scripture. I'm going to preach a little bit, and then I'm going to try to teach you some things at the end. Jesus is traveling with his disciples. We're in Luke chapter 19, verse 1. It says, he entered, he being Jesus, he entered Jericho and was passing through. I have no doubt this morning that Jesus has entered city lots, and he's not going to stay here because he has a mission, but he's passing through. And I'm wondering how many of you will recognize that, that the Father is coming through this morning. It says there was a man named Zacchaeus. Pay attention to this. He was a chief tax collector. Leave me here for a moment. And he was rich. Back in these, the first century here, these tax collectors were often hired by the Roman government to collect taxes. And when it says that he was a chief tax collector, it makes sense that they would say, and he was rich. Because what these tax collectors did is they collected tax from their own people a certain percentage, and then they, anything that they could do above that, they would keep themselves. So it sounds like when, he, when they says that he was a chief tax collector, this would be like you going and really trying to like share your faith with someone at the IRS that you desperately love, that you sincerely love. Who all would like to just invite the IRS to Jesus this morning? Amen. Amen. So he was a chief tax collector. It makes sense that it says he was rich. Verse 3 says, he was trying to see... Who Jesus was, listen, but was not able, hang me here too, because of the crowd since he was a short man. Now, what I like about this, there's so much going on here. Zacchaeus had a physical limitation liability that day that, that prevented him from seeing Jesus. Now, maybe you're here this morning, and the problem is it has nothing to do with your height, and there's not a crowd in front of you. But you can't see the Father because you're so bitter about something that happened in your past. You can't get over it. You linger in it. Do you know people like that? That every time you see them, they're always, and I don't mean any disrespect, but they're always a Debbie Downer. Always. They're lingering in something. Their bitterness, they, they have regret, or it's anger, or it's pain. So it's not that you, not, it's not that your physical problem, maybe it's something going on up here, it's an addiction. It's finances. It's lust. It's pride. And, it, and that's stopping. That's your crowd. It's stopping you from seeing Jesus. And that day, Zacchaeus could not help his height. Today, you may feel like, man, I, there's nothing I can do about it. I don't know what to do. I've tried everything I can to overcome it. But I find myself still not being able to see Jesus. Zacchaeus had a physical problem that day. Many of us today have a spiritual problem. Verse 4 says this. It says, so running ahead, he, Zacchaeus, climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus since he was about to pass that way. Now, Zacchaeus was a short man. And what I love about this right here is it says that he ran ahead. There was something in Zacchaeus that day. He knew that he needed Jesus. It says that he ran ahead. Basically, he was fixing to do his part. And look, it says he climbed a sycamore tree to see Jesus. Now, we don't know exactly what it means when they say Zacchaeus was a short man. Was he five foot? Was he six foot? You know, we don't know exactly, but we know that he was short compared to other men, which is no big deal, okay? Trust me. I know. But it says he climbed a sycamore tree 
And so what we must, I think you could say, presume based off the sycamore tree is that it had some kind of maturity to it for a man to climb it. The branches were sturdy for him to climb that tree. And so there's one thing I want to get to, but I want to say this to you. Remember, he's a chief tax collector. And I thought it's a good one, but he has a reputation. And that day he climbed that tree risking ridicule, his name being slandered, mocked and made fun of. He did whatever he could do that day to see Jesus. And I wanted to ask you this morning, what could you be doing to see the Father a little bit clearer in your life that you're not? What are you doing? Or what are you not doing? And here's what's amazing about this. Don't miss this. This may be it right here. So running ahead, he climbed up this sycamore tree to see Jesus. This tree had some kind of maturity to it to hold a grown man. So for just a moment, for those of you who feel like you're hurting, I don't know what next to do. I can't help myself. I wanted to tell you the provision is in place. The provision is in place long before, hang on here, long before Jesus came walking by that day, a seed was planted for that sycamore tree for Zacchaeus to climb up and see the Father. There's something in your life right now. God, he's already provided the provision for you to see who he is, but you're not taking advantage of it because you're not seeing it the same way. You're like Zacchaeus. You see yourself stuck at the table taking money, but you don't see the tree over here because you're looking for God to split the skies. The provision is in place for you to see the Father. What is it? It's a friendship. It's a loved one. It's a conversation. It's a church family that you need to commit to. It's the next step. The provision is already there, Casey. It's already there for you to see the Father. And what I love about this is that Zacchaeus, he could not help himself that day. He was not going to be able to see over the crowd, but the Father, long before that day happened, planted a seed in the ground. And I'm spitting all over the place. Trust me, I see it. <laughs> it's not beautiful, and I don't like it. <laughs> but it just happens when you communicate like this, and it just happens. The provision is in place. Just diagnostically ask yourself, What place are you in? What is the crowd that's preventing you from seeing Jesus? And just think for a moment, what is the provision that he's provided for you to see him? Because he has. He has provided the provision. And and basically Zacchaeus had a choice that day. I'm going to sit down at this table and keep robbing money. I'm going to do whatever it takes and climb this tree to see him. What will you do to experience Jesus? If you want to experience a radical God, you may have to do some extreme things. Do you believe that? Do you know that? If you don't, let me tell you that. You may have to climb a tree. You may have to take a risk of your name being slandered or people thinking you're crazy. Will you do it for the sake of knowing him? That day, Zacchaeus was basically willing to risk it all. I'll climb this tree to see him. And this is what I feel like. I feel like if you're not willing to take the chance, you certainly shouldn't complain. Will you take the chance? What's the provision? It's in place right now. Right now it's in place. As we carry on Luke 19.5, after he climbs the tree, it says, when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, Let me hear too. He looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down because today, today, I must stay at your house. There's so much going on here. 
When Jesus came to the place of provision, look what it says. Say this third word with me. He looked up. All right, let's try it again. This side, you're good. About split. You guys are slacking. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up. Who saw who that day? Zacchaeus did whatever he could to see the Father, but Jesus looked up to see him, and he met him right where he was in that sycamore tree. So you may feel crazy taking the step that the Father's provided, but it was ordained long before you found it. What will you do to experience the Father? I love it. It says that Jesus came to the place. He looked up. It gives me cold chills. He's always watching his children. If you're a son and daughter, he's watching you. He is seeking you, and he sees you in the sycamore tree, and he sees you at the table when you're taking money. He sees you in your pain. He sees you in your loneliness. He understands your frustration. He looked up that day and saw Zacchaeus in the sycamore tree. And then here's what's amazing. He looked up and said to him, Hey, we've never met before, but I know your name. No, no, no. He said, Zacchaeus. You've got to grasp this. In Christ, out of Christ. Jesus knows your name. He knows your name. And did you know that sometimes that all we have is our name? Our name says a lot. So for example, like if someone calls me pastor, I know that they understand what I do and that there's like some kind of level of respect there. If they say Peyton, they're either my friend or they really know my name. If I ever get a phone call that says, hello, Mr. Wills, would you like to blah, 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 blah? I say, no, I wouldn't uh, tell a marketer you don't know who I am because nobody calls me Mr. Wills. <laughs> but he said Zacchaeus because he knows your name, Chris. He knows your name, brother. He knows your name. And that shows the intimacy of the Father. That shows the intimacy of the Father that he looked up J.B., and he called him by his name. Called him by his name. Don't miss that. He's calling you, Angie, this morning by your name. You're not one in seven billion. No, you're one of a kind, fearfully and wonderfully made. He looked up and said, hurry and come down here. You see this sense of urgency. Jesus is basically embracing him. There must be this, like, this sense of urgency. It says, hurry and come down because today, today I must stay at your house. And so then what we see here is that Jesus, he sees your position. He sees if you're up in the sycamore tree. He sees if you're willing to embrace him. He sees if you're willing to respond to him. He sees you in your most desperate hour, and he sees you on the mountain. He loves you just as much in the mountain as he does in the valley. He sees where you're at. He sees the effort you're taking. And so maybe this will bring comfort to someone today. In your pain, in your confusion, whatever it is, Jesus sees you in your position and he calls you by your name. He's a good father. He's a good father. And if you're his son or his daughter, he knows who you are. And he is making provision for you to experience him in a way that you never had before. But you got to get off your butt and take some steps and climb some sycamore trees. Continuing on, verse 6, I love how Zacchaeus responds. It says, so he quickly came down. 
How many of you, look, it says he welcomed him joyfully. How many of you ever hear people talk about Jesus and you're like, dude, that sounds like a hateful stepbrother. They talk about Jesus in a way that just doesn't really match up with who he is. And so I'm wondering this morning, are you welcoming him, are you welcoming him joyfully? Do you consider joy what the Father's doing in you? Because see, Zacchaeus couldn't help himself that day. And when the father came walking by, he considered it joy. Verse 7 says, all who saw it begin to complain. Here's the church people right here. Zacchaeus is having this incredible encounter. And don't religious people always screw things up? Some of y'all are religious and you're like, I don't really like that, Pastor. (laughs) Mr. Wills. (laughs) All who saw it begin to complain. Did you know sometimes Jesus is going to bless you in your life and people are going to hate it? He's going to do some things so good for you, and it's going to make other people, it's going to drive them crazy. I feel like preaching right now about that. All who saw it begin to complain. Look, he's gone to lodge. Let me hear. He's gone to lodge with a sinful man. We may get to the next verse. Who knows, Bo? Just hang with me, brother. All who saw it begin to complain. He's gone to lodge with a sinful man. Well, what do you expect Jesus to do? He came to tip some cows that day in Jericho. And that's what he wants to do today. That day he chose to physically reside in a house, but if you'll embrace it, he'll live within you. Is this good or what? Or is it just because like I'm giving my own self cold chills, James? I just feel I feel the anointing of the Holy Spirit too sometimes. Sometimes I preach to my own self. That's crazy but I know it. (laughs) All who saw it begin to complain. He's gone to lodge with a sinful man, verse 8. But Zacchaeus stood there. Come on, sometimes when people are hating, you've got to just stand in your place and trust the promises of God. You've got to just stand there. You can't waver, Elizabeth. I'm standing right here on the firm ground that God planted me on. He just stood there. And he said to the Lord, I love this. These people, they're hating on him. And he doesn't even look to them. He looks to his Savior. Sometimes you just got to turn your face to the one who matters the most. I'm not going to give you attention. I'm not going to give you time. I'm not going to respond on Facebook, though. I'd love to cuss you out behind this keyboard. I'm going to keep pursuing the Father. Look, this is what he says. So here what you're fixing to see is you're not going to see it in writing, but it's going to come this way. He says, look, I'll give half of my possession to the poor. Remember, he's a chief tax collector. He's rich. And... If I have extorted anything, leave me here, surprise, leave me here, and if I have extorted anything from anyone, I'll pay back four times as much. That's what you must understand. In the law, these tax collectors, if there was any thief or robbery, anything going on, the law said, hey, you've got to pay back 20%. But Zacchaeus says, no, I'll give four, four times as much back. Because when you experience a generous God, you can't help but be generous. He says, I'll give to the poor and I'll pay. And listen, here's the thing. He says, if I've extorted anything from anyone, well, he was a chief tax collector and it says he was rich. So I guarantee you that payback list wasn't going to be short. He had hurt a lot of people. Do you know what's amazing about this man? If you don't know this story, you're going to have to look it up. If you do, this will make sense. If not, take some notes and go back and look at it later. In Mark chapter 10, there's a story of a guy. He's a rich, young ruler. And he's got a lot of money. And he comes to Jesus and he asks him, he says, hey, what does it take for me to inherit eternal life? Salvation, if you will. And Jesus knows that he's rich. He knows that he has many possessions. 
And he knows that he loves those possessions more than he loves the person of God. And he tells the rich young ruler, hey, in order for you to do that, you've got to sell everything. And when I teach this, I let people know that is not a universal call to poverty. The father's not saying today that you have to get rid of everything. But he knew that day what hindered that man, the rich young ruler from experiencing Jesus wasn't a crowd. It was his money and possessions. And so Jesus, and that's a radical call. He said, hey, I want you to get rid of everything. Then you follow me. And what's amazing about that, I'll never forget the first time I read it, is that this rich young ruler, it says that he turned around and he wept for he had many possessions. And the very next verse does not say, and Jesus begged him to stay. No, he turned and he kept on with his mission. Because though the Father loves us, God has a plan and we have a part. But here what happens is, sees that Zacchaeus is repenting. And I know that's like a churchy word and maybe repulsive to you, but it's what's happening is we've got to turn from how I used to be and go towards this direction. So notice he doesn't tell him to sell things. Zacchaeus says, hey, when your heart has been changed, you'll offer up some things that sound crazy. I'll pay everybody back and I'll give them four times as much. I know the law says 20%, but I'll give 40% God. Because he experienced a generous Jesus. That he says, look, I'll pay back four times as much. Verse 9, listen to what Jesus said. Today, look at your neighbor and say, today. Today, not a good job. Try it again. Today. Today salvation has come to this house. To this house. Somewhere along the way, they had dinner, and Jesus is, remember, he told him to come down, I want to stay at your house, and we're going to have dinner. Somewhere in this, this text, maybe in 6 and 7, 7 and 8, they've had dinner, and Zacchaeus is there with his whole family, and I'm just challenging you this. Listen, God has a great plan for women. You're no less equal than men, but I'm talking to the men right now. If you'll get on fire for the Lord, maybe salvation will come to your house today. Today. Today salvation has come to this house. Listen, Jesus told him why. Because, leave me here, because he too is the son of Abraham. He's connecting it back. He's not genetically connected to Abraham in the Old Testament. He's talking about the radical faith that I'll follow no matter what. I'll climb the sycamore tree. I'll, I'll risk being ridiculed for my faith. And here is the mission of why Jesus came and the purpose of what the church ought to be doing every single day, week in and week out. Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man, Jesus, has come to seek and save those who cannot help themselves. He came to seek and save the lost, and that ought to be the mission of every cross follower in here, is to go lodge with the sinful people, to look up in the trees for those who are hurting. Now I want to share something with you that I think is going to really reel this in, Okay. In Luke 18, Jesus is traveling with his disciples. And look what it says. This is Luke 18, verse 31. It says, Then he took the twelve aside and told them, Listen. It's important you say this third, this fourth word with me. We are going up. Yes, dude. Again, that sounds good. We are going up to Jerusalem. Everything that has written, excuse me, everything that is written through the prophets about the Son of Man will be accomplished. So he said, listen, we're going up. Y'all are good. Good. We're going up to Jerusalem. I want to show you a biblical map really quick. 
Next picture. I know this is hard to see. But you see Jerusalem. I'm going to come over there to you all. Y'all just hang out over there. You see Jerusalem. He says we're going up to Jerusalem. This is important. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. I'm going up to Jerusalem. Well, listen, you don't have to be a genius to say or ask the question, why in the world would you go through Jericho if you're going to Jerusalem? If Jericho is all the way up here, then why in the world, if you're going up to Jerusalem, assuming he's somewhere in Bethlehem or Bethany, or even if he's in the middle, why in the world would he go pass through Jericho that day? I'm about to run through this wall right here. I'm so jacked up. Why would he go through Jericho if he was going up to Jerusalem? Do you know why? Because he had a plan for a man who could not help himself. He had a plan for Zacchaeus that day. And long before he ever passed through Jericho, he planted a little seed for a sycamore tree for Zacchaeus to see the Father. That right there, my friends is exactly what Jesus has been doing for some of you your entire life. Jerusalem is right here. He could go the short route, but he follows you no matter how far you go. No matter how far you stumble, he will not let you fall because you are a son and daughter, and he came to seek and save the lost. Let me ask you something this morning. You know Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, but you're over here in Jericho, and you feel like you can't help yourself. The provision is in place for you to come walking side by side with him. Will you climb that tree or will you remain seated here? And here's what happens is this. Then we tip that cow and we say this. No, 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 no. God helps those. Next slide. God helps those who can't help themselves because we're born in rebellion. We're born dead in our sins. We've got some things going on that prevent us from seeing the Father, but He's going to chase me to Jericho even though He's going to Jerusalem. So when those lies speak louder than the truth, come on, remind me, Father, that I belong to you, that I'm a son, that I'm a daughter of God, and no matter how far I fall, no matter how far I stumble, you'll catch me. Come on, let's stand and worship the Father. Thanks for listening to today's message. We'd love to stay connected with you through the week. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching at City Lights AC. Thanks again, and join us soon.